Hello and welcome to this Wealth Track podcast. I'm Consuelo Mack. I recently sat down with Jason Zweig, a leading financial journalist who since 2008 has written the widely read The Intelligent Investor column for the Wall Street Journal. That, of course, is the name of the investment classic written by Benjamin Graham, considered to be the father of value investing. Zweig has an intimate knowledge of the thinking of Graham because he edited a revised edition of The Intelligent Investor, which has a foreword written by Warren Buffett, who calls it by far the best book on investing ever written. In this podcast, Zweig explains who Benjamin Graham was and why we should listen to him now. Well, Benjamin Graham was the greatest uh, investment advisor and financial analyst of uh, the the past century. Uh, He was Warren Buffett's teacher. Um, He essentially founded the field of modern financial analysis. And um, we should listen to him because he was an extraordinary mind. He was probably one of the smartest people ever to work in the investment industry. Uh, He was, uh, he graduated second in his class from Columbia University uh, at, the, at the age of 19. Wow. Uh, and before he even graduated, he was offered um, positions in the faculty in the Department of Greek and Latin, Mathematics, and English. Oh. Um, all three faculties offered him jobs. And um, he was just an extraordinary mind. and. He was also an incredibly perceptive human psychologist. He understood behavioral finance long before the term or the field existed. Warren Buffett, I seem to recall, read The Intelligent Investor the first time uh, when he was 19. And and he calls it by far the uh, best book on investing ever written. And so my question to you is, is, Benjamin Graham has been called the father of value investing. What does that mean and why is he considered to be the father of value investing? Well, the discipline existed before Graham came along, but it wasn't organized and it wasn't really a a methodical system Mm -hmm. for figuring out what companies were worth in the stock market. And that's really Graham's contribution was that he he understood accounting incredibly well. Um, he had read, you know, the financial statements of literally thousands of companies, and he had also survived the Great Depression. Right. So he was extremely conservative, and he was all about investing for safety. So he's the father of value investing because no one before him had really reduced it to a logical system and a framework that anybody could follow. And and what did value investing mean to Benjamin Graham? And my understanding is that it's evolved and that Warren Buffett is one of the people who has taken it, interpreted it in other ways or taken it mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to an, another uh, kind of level. Well, Graham was very concerned about minimizing the risk of loss. Mm -hmm. And having survived the Great Depression um, and really spending all his life convinced that something like that could happen again, 
And right. of course, just in the past few decades, we had um, the crash of 1987, when stocks went down, you know, over 20% in a day. Uh -huh. We had the internet crash of 2000 to 2002, when technology stocks lost 85 or 90 percent in a couple of years. We had 2008, 2009, right, when the, the S&P right, 500 went down 45 mm percent. -hmm. So um, Graham was all about minimizing the downside. Right. And today's value investors have recognized that that's not everything, mm -hmm. and that value can exist in stocks with higher valuations right. as long as you're conservative in how you go about doing it. Is conservative about how you go about investing in these companies? Yeah, or? because uh -huh. the, the, the single biggest difference in the stock market of our day versus Graham's time is Graham was obsessed with, um, he was obsessed with book value. Mm -hmm. with the asset value of companies. Right. And uh, today, increasingly, it's intangibles yes, that exactly. contribute. Yes, exactly. Intellectual property. To, and, exactly. Right. Where corporate value really comes from today is things like patents, trademarks, technology, all the forms of intellectual property and other intangibles. And Graham was obsessed with tangible asset value and felt that intangible asset value was um, sort of an illusion, which I think in his day it really was. It was. Today, uh -huh. of course, it's not. I mean, for a company like Amazon or Apple or Google or any number of other giant technology companies we, we could name, the value is in you know what's in their employees' heads. It's in their patents, their trademarks, their, the unique uh, platforms that they set up using their technology. So uh, you'd be crazy not to factor those into the value of a company, even though that's not really a part of Graham's basic framework. Where you get into trouble is when you extrapolate using those intangibles at rates that aren't realistic. And that's where Graham's method of thinking can be so helpful. I mean, mm -hmm. if you find yourself saying, I think this can grow at 50 or 100% a year for the next 30 years, the same way it has for the last 30, then you need a reality check. And that's what Graham is great for. Your point is that Warren Buffett basically looked at value investing and the margin of safety that you have so that if, if you do have uh, you know, a, a market pullback, that the company has some cushion uh, financially, that it can survive um, a market route, whatever. But but he he took it, and I'm I'm wondering um, if it was for his purposes of companies that he wanted to invest in, buy higher quality companies um, at reasonable prices. So it's he's really stretched the definition right of value investing to include a much broader group of companies. Yeah, that's Is that correct. Fair? So I think it's important to real, for investors to realize that the margin of safety sort of exists on two different strata, uh -huh. two layers. So there's a margin of safety that you want to have in your investments themselves. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that if you feel 
a company is worth $100 a share, that you're not paying 120 because then you have a negative margin of safety. You want to try to pay 80 or 60 if you can. Right. You certainly don't want to pay more than 100. But there's another place the margin of safety needs to exist, which is in your portfolio as a whole. Um, you don't want to risk more than you can afford to lose. And mm -hmm. if you're too aggressive in your stance toward the market, you can get wiped out just when the sensible thing to do would be to be buying more. So you need to have the margin of safety at both levels, within your companies and within your portfolio. So it's partly a method for valuing companies, and it's also an attitude for how you conduct yourself as an investor, for how you right. diversify and how you hold. But Buffett has definitely used it as a method of buying companies that Graham probably, at least in his prime, wouldn't have considered. And how do you think uh, Benjamin Graham would view index funds? And, and so I will mention to our audience that that is your cat who has a little bell on that's playing in the background in case they're wondering. But anyway, how would... I, I don't know if Ben Graham was an animal lover or not, but that's a whole other topic of conversation, Jason. So how, how would Benjamin Graham view index funds? And, and the fact that you know, we're, we're, we own index funds and, and we're not applying any sort of valuation to them except you know, that we should just hold them because the stock market you know, goes up most of the time. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, a lot of people, uh, a, a lot of traditional value investors are under the impression that index funds would have been anathema to Graham, that he would have hated mm -hmm. them. But in fact, um, that's completely wrong. Um, Graham was among the first people ever to advocate for index funds, starting in the 1950s. And in 1963, he gave a speech where he said, you know, somebody should, um, somebody should develop this idea. You know, right. it should be possible just to buy all the stocks in the in, he used the Dow. You know, mm -hmm. you should be able to buy all the stocks in the Dow uh, in one basket, and um, and just own that, and right. that would be appropriate for a lot of people. Um, Graham liked index funds. Uh, he was around long enough to see the ad the advent of the first institutional index funds mm -hmm. in 1971, and he was asked about the idea, and he said he approved of it. Um, you know. They're the perfect solution for the kind of investor Graham called defensive. If you're a yes. defensive investor and you don't want to spend a lot of time and effort analyzing individual securities, then an index fund is the perfect portfolio tool for you. And it takes our fallible judgments out of the process completely yeah. and just lets us participate in the market. Uh, what advice would Graham give to investors today in the current market environment, which uh, is quite frothy and speculative? I think what Graham would say is, you know, you, you need to know what game you're playing. And once you identify what the game is that you're playing, you should play that game. And don't try to play other people's games. If you think you can trade speculatively, and that's your game, then I guess you should go ahead. But if you are a long-term investor, 
you know, in my opinion, you have no business trading short term or making speculative gambles. Um, that's somebody else's game. And they might get rich doing it, at least in the short run, but that doesn't make you poor. I mean, their gain is not your loss. Furthermore, um, let's see how they're doing a year from now or five years from now, because uh, chances are their gains won't, they won't still have those gains by then. We will certainly see what happens exactly in the markets, uh, especially given the current levels. So Jason, thanks so much for joining us and, and explaining why Benjamin Graham is still as relevant today as he was when he first published The Intelligent Investor. Yep, my pleasure, Consuelo. Thanks for having me. For previous interviews with Jason Zweig, go to WealthTrack.com and please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. In the meantime, make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.